This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast, everybody. Today's show is brought to you by BSW. That's Broadcast Supply Worldwide. So their website is BSWUSA.com. And it's basically an online retailer of music, broadcast, and podcast gear. And uh, BSW is a, a great sponsor for the show. That's where we get our microphones, our cables, all of our gear. We get headphones, interfaces. You can get portable recorders, flash recorders, telephone systems, broadcast consoles, voice processing, everything. These guys supply... Uh, almost all of the major radio stations, re- TV, and even emergency alert systems with all their gear. So if you're into podcasting especially, then this is the place to go. Now, here's a couple reasons why. Number one, uh, they're great. They're who we like. They're who we trust. Also, orders over $100, you get free shipping. Their prices are great or better than the other online retailers out there. And here's the best part. If you use our promo code DOWN, D-O-W-N, which is partly attached to the Break It Down podcast, if that makes sense to you. Promo code DOWN will get you 10% off anything that they have. So do us a favor and do yourself a favor and get your audio and broadcast and podcast gear from Broadcast Supply Worldwide, bswusa.com. All right, let's start the episode. Today's show is also sponsored by the word Inglenook. Since the dawn of man, people have been using the word vagina. And it has caused war, starvation, <laughs> terrible things on earth. But now with the promo code BCPOD, you can get a free Inglenook. <laughs> no longer will we be using the word vagina. Welcome to the b- Bad Christian Podcast. B- 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 My name is b- Toby Morrell. B- 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 j- b- That's b- Pastor j- Joey. Nut, nut, nut. Now a single nook. Now a single nook. Get rid of that filthy word. Nah, vagina ain't a filthy word. But Engel Nook is just nicer. It's the Bad Christian Podcast. Yeah, boy. Welcome to the Bad Yeah, boy. I'm going to get that started. I'm going to change You've been on it for a while. You have been. You said that a long time ago that you were going to try and get Inglenook to replace vagina in the common <laughs> vernacular, and I thought it was just one of your harebrained ideas that you would ditch after no. about eight seconds, but here you are months no, later no. keeping, it, keeping it going. You're still at it. I, I heard, still I, I've already heard that Beyonce and Jay-Z say it now. Yep. Uh, who else says it? Uh, it? Donald Trump says grab him right in the angle nook. He's changed. He, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> the tapes aren't out of that yet, but I've heard there's new tapes where he actually is using yeah. angle nook. I heard a TV yeah. show where one guy was insulting the other for not going into a building that was burning. He was just like, "Quit being an Inglenook." Oh, but see, yeah. you don't want you don't want that, Toby. That's how that's how those words get ruined. If people start using heard it, it as derogatory, then it'll ruin the term. Yeah, I don't, I don't, no, I do not like that. But I've heard it actually, even in theology, they've changed it from penal substitution to Inglenook <laughs> substitution. <laughs> so maybe I'm misunderstanding that totally. I don't think that's, that's what they mean with penal substitution. Maybe, oh, I they think did? you've got that wrong. I might have to go back and study somewhere. A I might be a little off on that one, but anyway. <laughs> hey, I got to let you guys in on a little Mama Jean update. Ooh. Uh, first, Wait, first and foremost, y'all know news, that right? she's... It, it, she's alive, right? Yeah, she's alive. Okay, well, she's, the Lord. Not to me. Not no, to me. I've she, said how my long goodbyes. Ago? Did she, die, what, she died four or five years ago to you. Um, To me, it's been about two years. Like, uh, you told her... Was, yeah. That was kind of the end of her knowing me. So, like Before I, she had any, like... Uh, like dementia or Alzheimer's. I mean, I, mean, I love her. Don't get right. me wrong. I love her. Like she took much. you out to eat breakfast for your birthday, and you were like, "Hey, listen, 
I know that one day something's probably going to get a little bit worse with your body, so I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye. Thank you for my birthday breakfast. And then you... <laughs> you're now you, dead to me. You're dead to me. Yeah. You, you hugged her and said, you are dead to me. No, I didn't have that foresight. I just had to tell her, you're dead to me, with her not even really knowing so what to you, I was talking So to you, you're saying about. she's gone to you in the sense that she doesn't... Uh, once she doesn't know who you are, what's the point? Is that how it goes? Well, I'll be honest with you. I don't understand. And I, I told my mom, I said, Mom, you don't don't feel bad about not going to visit her <laughs> as, as frequently. Well, here's why. Listen, here's oh, why. She's, not, she's more comfortable with the people that work at the facility than she is with my mom. In fact, my mom is somewhat of a nuisance. Like, my mom represents a guest that mm-hmm. my mama does not know. And is uncomfortable and would rather my mom leave after a little while. Could she articulate so that? My or is that mom just is the way you, th- you know. No, no. She, like within two minutes, she would look at my mom with kind of like an uneasy look and say, "I'm going to take a nap." And it was like a hint, so she hint, clearly I'm a nap and repeatedly and continuously doesn't care or like your mom being there. She she she's able. It's so weird that she has such good. It's so sad, man. Vo- vocabulary I mean, it, and faculties, but just no memory. Is that what's going on? Like right. she can move yeah. around. She's so quite ambulatory. Uh, no, 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 no. Oh, well, let me let me stop you there. There are times when she comes up on a very basic word and she stops because she has no idea. But it sounds like she's able to articulate to a decent it. amount. She forgets words. Yeah, she's not yeah, a vegetable. She it's words. not because she's a vegetable. I mean, she. She lives right. a life, but like she was a big Atlanta Braves fan when she was sat, had soundness of mind, and I asked her near her last days. <laughs> I asked her. I said, "Have you been watching watching the Atlanta Braves?" And I said it very clearly, and she looked at me and said, "I have no idea what you're even talking about." Like almost in a sassy. But what way does of, she like, know, though? Done. I mean, what is her world? What does she talk about? It sounds I mean, like she's able to articulate is, that. It sounds like she has volitional thoughts and cares and her world is stuff. walking, walking, sleeping, and eating. Basically, does she know I mean, and can the, remember the staff there uh, by name, stuff like their that? Their names and stuff. I don't think so. No. Uh, anyway, what she's been doing now is getting up in the middle of the night, going into other people's rooms and stealing from them. <laughs> like so, what? Stealing what? I mean, just like things off their nightstand, books, uh, pictures, and, and things like that. And it occurred to me, I was thinking to myself, if I ever got stuck in a nursing home, that'd probably be the best route is just to pretend like you've forgotten normal things and normal ways how to fit into society because then you could just play pranks on people do whatever mm-hmm. you want entertain yourself and everybody just has to say yeah i mean he's he's kind of lost it you just have to have patience with him and that would actually be somewhat of a fun approach to life is just pretend that you don't have anything up there but uh, yeah I mean, it really is crazy i mean the best thing possible is for her to die I mean, there's no way of getting around it. Like, that is the best possible scenario. I mean, even to the point of outside of being a Christian and seeing something involving, mm-hmm. like, sanctity of life and all that stuff, I would say euthanasia would be a blessing to my mama, to the family, and everything. Um, why, but, though? Like, why do you say that? That's an interesting it's, it's a crazy thought. Thing like, to like, say. You say that just because she doesn't remember you. Or is it just because she's costing money or like, like she's not contributing to the world? Like, what, what do you think? Like, you just think, or is that just based on like your belief in heaven and that she'll be restored and in a better place? I think, I think a bunch of those uh, come into play. I, I don't think that this is 
a good way to assess things, but I can't help it. Knowing what I know about her, because, I mean, seriously, she's one of the closer people in my life. Knowing what I know about her, she would flip out if she knew Mm -hmm. what her existence was right now. She'd be embarrassed. She'd be humiliated. Her heart would be broken over what her kids are going through. She'd be devastated that the inheritance is gone. I mean, she would just be... yeah. Devastated, I, I and think, so just yeah. having that knowledge is just like out of respect and honor for her. I feel sad that she has this existence because mm-hmm. she would never have chosen to do this. I, I think yeah. I'm going to agree with you. Not that I think, uh, not on the euthanasia part exactly. <laughs> no, I'm, go that I'm, far, no, 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 I'm not. Propo- know, I'm not a proponent I'm of joking, that. I'm, but uh, if you could do it, would you do it right now? Would you put I mean, your okay? So your think out? about it, and I, I, I always grandma? make this. Com- I always make this comparison because I think it's a valid comparison. If you're in a wartime situation and you see someone who is going to die, and it they're on your team or the other team, and they are in agony and they are screaming, "Please shoot me! Please shoot me!" and you know they're going to die. Isn't that the right thing to do? Is kill them? She's now not I'm agony, not. But she's not asking. What? No, no, for no. That. Exactly, exactly. I'm not saying that that's that's on equal playing field, but but you're ready and that, prepared that to shoot your grandma <laughs> if, she, if she asked. You know, as long you know, he's just waiting on that moment. Well, let oh, me let man. me try to see if I can make. I think what you're saying is just horrifyingly scary and makes you sound like a bad person. But let me see if I can clean it up a little bit. <laughs> um, I do think you're on to something, <laughs> at least there, because uh, especially when you talk about how she, her former self, would have thought of her current self, that that's a really good point. And I, I didn't have grandparents that were exactly in that situation, but I had to, I've always had a very strong sense that my two grandparents were would have been very unhappy with how their later years unfolded from their own point of view. And I think there's an issue with passivity of generational change that I really believe is true. I think there's some weird stuff that goes on when power changes hands in family. And I mean, nobody likes to even talk about stuff like that. Like if there's power, who's in charge of the family? But those dynamics certainly exist. And I felt a lot of them shift because I've lost a lot of family in the last just two or three years. So I've kind of observed them. Uh, And it feels like this. You go from being a, you know, I grew up, I'm at the kids' table. I only have thought of myself, even in my 30s, as a kid in my family, because there's not a bunch of other kids. And there's the, and I have a, you know, my family live a long time. So I always thought of myself as just a kid, like not important, not really even important in discussions at Thanksgiving. Even even that I've always felt like, okay, well, they're the adults, or I'm the kid, I'm the goofball, I'm the weirdo, I do music. Those all feel like extensions of being a kid. Um, Yeah. And then after my grandparents, I saw my parents start dealing with my grandparents as they aged and started losing their faculties and stuff like that. And I was shocked at how slow they were to act, to step in and help them with their money or decide where they should live. I thought, okay, well, my mom and dad, are they know what's going on. They're super sharp. They're successful. Here, These old people are starting to lose it. So, all right, let's, let's tell them what to do and handle them. And they just couldn't and wouldn't do that. And uh, or or it, it was just so slow to act to the point where my grandparents would make bad financial decisions or do things poorly for way longer. I was like, wait, because I didn't see it was my role to step in. I just thought, aren't you supposed to step right. in and send them to this home or take them to your house or sell their house or take their money away from them, get power of attorney? Here we go. I mean, they have, and, and the main reason was they, my grandparents on both sides worked really hard to save a lot of money and a, like worked hard and never. Sp- 
they were they were frugal. They didn't spend money. My grandpa would go crazy if you would spend extra quarters on stuff. You know, he was yeah. very like he was very frugal, and he was able to save up. I don't know, like. So, something just short of a million dollars, I think, is what it was basically. Something eight, nine hundred thousand dollars or something. Which, uh, and then when it started, when they started wanting in-home care and making weird decisions, not that I think they should have been shipped off to some place, but I know the financial decisions that were being made would have horrified him if he had his wits about him. That's not why he saved up all that money to just watch right. it all go away to twenty-four hour in-home care to pay somebody to help him use the bathroom. That's not. That's not what he really would have wanted, but who are you to step in and make decisions for, for other people? I think it's a, it's a weird thing. I think you tend to be passive about it because it's your parents and it's a big change, and you don't want to be seen as trying to get the inheritance, and you don't want to be seen as trying to take control or boss other people around, but I think it's, to some degree, winds up being to the detriment of the generation that's going. I think it's the right thing to do to be more uh, less passive and more direct about how things should go. I think that's what you'd yeah. want in, in your younger generation. Like, if you could have told my well, grandpa, it, this is where his money's going to go, he would have never been okay with it. But it, yet it yeah. happened until, you know, both sets of my grandparents, by the time they died, because they lived a really long time, those, both of them had money in that uh, um, in that range, and it was all gone. And it's not about the money, but it's still, like, they would have been totally. embarrassed about a lot of stuff. Well, here here's the big distinction, too, because I have two grandmas left, and the other one has a sound mind, but she's very feeble and hurts herself super easily. I wouldn't even come close to thinking, man, she'd be better off dead. I mean, if, if we have to have her in a wheelchair, if we have to have her in a nursing home, if we have to take care of her after she uses the restroom, whatever it takes, she can still enjoy family. She can sure. still have conversations back and forth. But you've already like, still, you even still have said goodbye to her too, though, right? I, yeah, well, I she's have, 70. Yeah. He, he does yeah. that at 70, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's 90 years old now. <laughs> Well, 70s Joey's <laughs> limit with not being able to say he, he waits forever and by the time he's like, I can't I can't I got goodbye. So goodbye, I gotta, you're 70. I gotta say bye to my dad this year. Very soon, yeah. <laughs> so well, when Joey, when you and Priscilla are 70, you're gonna go ahead and say, Priscilla, I've loved you all mm-hmm. these years. You're dead to me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. This is just better for both of us this way. But so inheritance itself is a weird thing, and I think that it's there's a problem with inheritance too, if you just look at it logically. And I, I'm sure people know about this. It's just how I've observed it lately. But if our lifespans are longer and we save money and earn money, I think we've got inheritance screwed up now because I think inheritance should always skip a generation. So I think inheritance should always go to grandkids first. Easy for me to say. No, not really because there wasn't any inheritance left that I would have got from my grandparents. But theoretically, if you're dying when you're 50, 60 years old, then yeah, that money needs to go to the kid, you know, your, your, your children. But if you're living to 80, 90 years old, you're just giving your inheritance to these other 65, 70 year olds that, are, that have already probably made their way. You know what I mean? Like that's the time of your yeah. life where you're retiring, I agree. I mean, you're that's, comfortable. That's, and then the grandkids are starting families like me. Like I could use it for right. a house. I mean, th- this is theoretical in my situation because not any money, but it would be right for my grandparents to have died in the last couple of years, and I make a down payment on my house as I'm having kids. That makes sense. Yeah. That's actually kind of how it's going to work out in our household with the grandma that I just talked about because she has her house is sitting on very valuable property in Charleston, and so she's going to at least be able to sell it for seven hundred fifty thousand, maybe pushing a million. And so she has two sons. One of them's my dad. 
And my dad has already told me, he said, you're going to see a lot of that money. So I think, I, I think you are a hundred percent right. I mean, the only, but the only way my parents would either would even be able to spend that money is just live it up for their last. You well, know, when you years. get in home care and stuff like that, you'd be shocked. That's true. You'd be shocked. That's I think true. my grandparents were spending ten thousand a month on care for a while, and just you know more more than that. I think. And then just, here's the thing, though. I will, I will I will say this. The truth is, though, like right now, if somebody came to you and said, "Hey, listen, this is just a moment of clarity. You're actually ninety years old, and we're going to kill you." What would you say? You like no? Right. I, I mean, I you, agree, in yeah. the moment, you would you just couldn't understand it. Like in a moment of clarity, Mama would go, "Wait a minute, no, this is that's just you wouldn't be able to believe it or understand the situation." And maybe that is what the money's for. Maybe you save it so when it's you your don't, money, yeah, when, sure. you, when you don't have anything, maybe you do get in home care. Maybe I, I'm I'm just saying I understand both sides of you can't just like what what is it like now at the Spencer family get together? All of them are talking about how that if they could they shoot Mama because it'd be because it'd be better it'd be better if we could shoot her. Like I know I'm making a joke there, but I'm just saying like. It, I don't know. It's something that you have to go through, and maybe this is something uh, along the process of figuring out you know, the least of these, or maybe Mama now is somebody that needs yeah. help and care. But it is an interesting time we live in just because it costs so much for health care, and it literally feels like you're just keeping Mama alive. You're, you're not giving it's her just, life. Y'all, she, you're not giving she her tried joy. to eat her dentures. Yeah, she well, tried to eat them. I mean, that's how far gone she is. She doesn't even know basic functions in life. Yeah. My mom tried to put the dentures back in, and she said, "Am I supposed to eat this?" and and try to swallow them. So, I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. I, and what what I'm so curious about too is how how does it feel for her mind? Like, mm. I don't even think that she has enough reasoning to recognize that she can't really reason anymore. I mean, it's just got to be the craziest thing, which is great, honestly, because at least she's not doesn't have to be scared. Yeah, but see, none of that logic really holds. I mean, children are the same, and you don't think put them out of their misery. And then there's a giant swath of disabled and you know mentally yeah, right. disabled and people that would all classify as that that you you just can't you know you don't know what their mental experience is. You just don't know. And yeah, you know that. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe you can look at it as it's growth for you, rather than whatever. Maybe it's you, you figuring out how to deal with somebody right. that's in this bad situation, and you help but, them, and you figure it out. It helps you grow too, maybe. But here, here's what I would say: a lot. There's a lot of atheists that are going to hate me right now, and I'm trying to <laughs> learn this perspective. I'm trying to learn this perspective more because I hear atheists say, especially godless. I mean, he's like, man, I for sure have like a sense of morality and i i even not knowing about you know even not believing in a god i i have evolved into a creature that can make moral judgments i just can't i can't wrap my mind around that and that's probably my shortcoming but if there's no god then there's no difference between putting mama jean out of her misery than putting a dog out of their misery i just can't see the difference and and i'm i'll i'll take the shots and the insults and your ridiculous Christian minded person, that's fine, but I haven't found myself to be able to get to a place where there's any difference. I think there. your logic I mean, is sound on that. I mean, as weird as it sounds, I think you you're probably dealing with a bias that 
if you looked at it objectively, nobody's going to take the position you take. It's just not a pleasant one. So, but that right. doesn't mean it's right. not logical because rationally, it, it may actually hold up a little bit. I just, I don't. Yeah, if someone if someone gave me a needle and said, "Here, put this in your mama," and she's gone, there's no way. I no, you're still saying you couldn't do it, so right. it's kind of right. neither here nor there. But right. it, logically, well, let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about another bias real quick. When I became a pastor, my mom actually gave me money to go out to Belk and buy a suit which took a very long time. I didn't really end up liking the suit. It honestly, and I'm not just saying this, wasn't that stylish. Sorry, Belk. Um, And then Indochino comes around, and I'm telling you, the process of getting a suit with Indochino digitally online, it was just unreal. So Indochino is making it easy to get a perfectly tailored suit at an incredible price. You choose from hundreds of top quality fabrics and personalize your suit just the way you want it. I actually have flowery uh, insides and then there's a pocket on the inside that says Clemson kicks Gamecock ass. Like that's how when, when it says that you can customize it, that's how, well, that's what you're talking about. But then a lot of the more important stuff that stylish people know about that I have no idea about. So here's how it works. Visit a showroom or shop online at Indochino.com. You pick your fabric. You choose your customizations from lapels to pleats to jacket linings, like I was saying, and more. You submit your measurements. It's a real easy process. Then you place your order, and you wait for it to arrive just a few weeks later. This week... Our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $379 at Indochino.com when entering Bad Christian at checkout. And if you're familiar with going out suit shopping, you recognize that this is a damn good deal. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit, and the shipping is free. So go to Indochino.com. And enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN for any premium suit for just $379 and free shipping. Incredible deal for a suit that will fit you better than anything off the rack ever could. And that's, um, I can say that from experience. Very good. All right. I also want to talk real quickly about uh, uh, some upcoming shows for Emory. We're doing Emory Acoustic again. Uh, June 28th, we'll be in Indianapolis. June 29th, we'll be in Detroit, Michigan. And then July 1st, we will be in Chicago. And that's Emory Acoustic Shows, which are just so fun. We get to hang out. It's kind of a small, intimate setting. You don't want to miss these shows uh, because it really is fun. Like, we take questions. We tell stories. uh, We play some of your favorite songs and some of our favorite songs uh, acoustically, and it's just really, really fun. And uh, locked in, lodged in the middle of that, in June 30th, we will be at Audio Feed Festival, which we're going to be talking more about here with our guests coming up. But uh, these are going to be really good. So June 28th, June 29th, and July 25th, mm-hmm. Emory Acoustic Shows, Indianapolis, Detroit, Chicago, Illinois. Tell them a little Make bit sure more about what the Emory Acoustic is. What do they what do they actually get and see at that? Because the ticket price is more expensive than usual. But wh- who's there? What does it look like? And why is it more expensive? Well, it's it's more expensive because uh, you get a personalized. What is? It? I guess you get a personalized uh, poster mm-hmm. that is specific to this this little short run, uh, and then it'll be me and Devin and Matt and Dave from Emory, and we'll be uh, you know just playing the songs. I don't know what more you want me to say. Well, Matt, more than <laughs> acoustically. <laughs> well, there's drums. It's like a full band kind of thing, and yeah. there's also there's only fifty to hundred tickets, so that's why the tickets are expensive. Right. But it's I very special, yeah. and we're gonna hang out 
all night. We basically stay there for three or four hours and talk, chill out, play for a couple hours, do questions. But yeah. also, you know, there's no there's no giant crowd or anything. It's a very small exclusive right. thing. So we're, we'll basically Intimate. spend the evening out of having a private party together kind of thing. So it's a lot of fun. They usually go really well. And we hadn't done the Midwest on these yet. So very excited to do it. That's right. That's right. So. And like I said, we'll be doing the Audio Feed Festival, and uh, we're going to be talking about that more with our guests coming up. Yep. I'm going to bring them on right now. This is Luke Welchel, who is one of the founders of Audio Feed. And so we're going to talk to him and see how this thing works, what the idea is, where they got it, what's different, and just, you know, find out about old Luke himself here, who I don't, we don't, haven't met and don't know yet. If his Skype works, if our internet works, if the technology will bless us. If the Lord's favor is on us, basically That's is what, what it I'm boils saying. down to. Uh-oh. It seems not. So what do you make of the fact of the Lord's favor not being on us? What does that mean, since that seems to be true? Well, it could be basically that he wants to bring us into a season of growth and recognizing that contentment can only be found in him. I mean, that's the low-hanging fruit. Is any time thing... Or the haters were right. Yeah, maybe God's the haters are right. Luke, so he's can opposing you us? us is what you're... Yeah, yeah, I can hear you guys. Excellent. All right. Well, that's a good start. How about your video? Do you have a video mute button? That, like, a, could you unmute your video so we can see you? Your profile picture's okay. If not, here we go. Oh, there you go. All right. Luke, nice. what's up, dude? Hey, what do you think? If if something really practically happens in your day-to-day and it's, and it's bad and inconvenient, is God opposing you or bringing you into a season of learning? Yes, which is it, Luke? I like to think... I like to think God's never opposing me, but uh, I know I've opposed God a few times, so uh, maybe. What if, what if you're about to cheat on your wife? Well, I haven't I haven't been to that road yet. <laughs> well, so you've never done anything wrong. <laughs> so if I if I do something wrong, do I believe God opposes me? Yeah, is that is that the question? Right. Well, yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough well, word to see, say. I, yeah, I would yeah. say yeah. that it would be leave out him of, hanging. Out of Let's love. leave him hanging. That's true. <laughs> Go ahead, Luke. <laughs> okay. If um, I don't know. I mean, I think there's times where I've thought that God was probably opposing me, but it was usually like really dumb stuff. Like usually, just like something bad happens to me, and I'm like, oh yeah, God's mad at me. You know, like you know, when you like fall in the mud or something. Yep. Yeah. And you're like, man, yeah. this couldn't be my human error. This is God. He like pushed me into the mud. He's really mad at me. <laughs> Toby's very much that way. I, I accuse Toby of being superstitious for I, I call that superstition. Um, but in, in the case, but Toby's very much the same way. He thinks if something goes wrong, negative is punishment. Right? Oh, totally. I, I do that all the time. And, and you're right. It's kind of funny, Luke, because I I always with me, it's always little things. Like I don't usually think like if something really bad happens, <laughs> like so severe health problems or something, I don't think God's opposing me. But like if I uh, show up to get gas at the gas station, and I forgot my wallet. I'm like, why God? What is wrong with you, Lord? Because I yelled at my kids. How long must I suffer? <laughs> that's that's when I'm that's when I'm done too. I'm like, man, everything's going wrong. I must have done something to offend God today, and now He's opposing me. <laughs> I, I actually did it one time. I was really mad at God because I got to Taco Bell late at night, and they said they were out of beef. And I was like, Lord, you got to be kidding me. It's fourth meal, God. I, I wasn't even joking. I was actually like, God, are you trying to tell me not to eat? Are you trying to tell me is something going on? Like, I, I will, will 
question God in a minute on the I don't small even, things. I don't even know if I've told y'all this story before, but I, y'all may not remember this, but one time for Christmas, you guys all chipped in and got me the new Sparta CD. And so we all chipped in. It was two fifty each, I guess. How many people it, went no, in on that gift? It was, it was you two and, and Devin. I mean, this was like right when Emory was starting. So y'all had zero money. That was, was, like that a, really was a real deal. thing. I mean, it, we really did. I mean, it is very true. And I'm not, I'm not trying to distract from, but age your story here but there was a real time must have been around that time when we were literally i was talking with the guys about the other day where we were splitting a loaf of bread we'd know when it came out at safeway be a dollar 29 it'd be hot bread and we had a bottle of olive oil and vinegar and we would just that's what we would eat we'd get so every we had the big bottle of vinegar and oil so and we could get calories from that so all we had to do was go get a loaf of bread and then we'd share that and that would be what we'd eat that's true yeah y'all had the Y'all had the same cell phone. I remember calling it and said, this is Emery, leave a message. Um, yeah, it, it was that but, weird thing, too, where everybody's always looked at me and was like, why are you still big? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> everybody else was getting thin, and Toby was still like 250 pounds. They're like, dude, what the hell? What's yeah. going on? He was hitting so a I bottle get... of olive oil directly. Anyway, we bought you the Sparta CD. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. I, I, I think I'm kind of with Luke. I, I can tell where he was going as far as, as God, and I don't think God punishes Christians, because that seems to add to the punishment Christ took on for us. But I do think that there are some things that we can maybe see them as punishments, and God, God's just kind of disciplining in us. But I think this was a, a comic interaction between God and I. I was very depressed, and I asked Pris- this was before we had kids, and I asked Priscilla to drop me off two miles short of our destination, and I said, I'm going to jog. So I started jogging. And I literally, five minutes into the jog, I stepped on my shoestring and I fell. And this is in a very high traffic area. Everybody sees me and I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, thanks a lot, God. I'm already having a bad day. Can you just keep me from falling? And I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I put my attention on God thinking that he did that. But I almost felt like this interaction saying, oh yeah, you're going to put that one on me? Two minutes later, I fall again, and I and then I get up, and I'm I mean I'm almost shaking my fist. I'm like, "Come on, God!" And it wasn't even like this malicious "I hate you, God." As much as it was just, "Please stop me from falling. This is embarrassing. It hurts. It's inconvenient." And so I fell for a third time. My compact disc player popped open. The Sparta CD rolled into Folly Road and a car ran over <laughs> and cracked it into pieces. And I stood up and I was just like, why, God? Like, it really seemed like a cartoon moment, something that you would see in a movie. But anyway. <laughs> well, thanks for indulging us there, Luke. Maybe you yeah. just didn't like that Sparta CD. Yeah, there yeah. you go. It was satanic or something. The, the lyrics, for sure. <laughs> so, Luke, we're glad so, to have you on the show and talk about audio feed and stuff like that. So, now, I'll confess to the, the listeners and to you both that we aren't that familiar with you as a person other than we know that you are the founder of Audio Feed itself, which is a festival that brought us last year, and we're going back to this year yeah. that we talk about year-round how cool of a festival it is for some of the stuff that it's doing and how it's different. But could you just catch us and the audience up with who you are and what Audio Feed is, just in the, in the basic way? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm one of the co-founders of Audio Feed, myself and Jim Eisenminger and Jay Newman. Um, you know, so we we kind of, we, we were on the board that started the festival. You know, uh, co-founder always sounds like a fancy term uh, when it's really not such a fancy job. <laughs> It's more like, hey, are you guys down to do this crazy thing? And we're like, yeah, sure, let's do this crazy thing. Um, 
you know, we started it mostly because it kind of got to this point where, you know, with Cornerstone gone and, and a lot of other Christian festivals were kind of disappearing, we felt like this important piece of, of art was going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And it didn't look like anybody else was going to do anything about it. And we sort of all ended up working together kind of by chance. I mean, I didn't really want to do it. Um, but when we did, it was cool. And so we stuck to it now and we're going into our fifth year. So, well, so let's stop it. it. Let's pause that Cornerstone yeah. for a minute. You were a big Cornerstone person. You went there a bunch of years or, or what? Yeah, I, I pretty much was raised at Cornerstone. Like I started going there when I was 12 and, uh, I was camping by myself when I was 13. I actually thought God opposed me because I did fall in the mud. I was in my brand new uh, <laughs> Michael Jordan sleeveless Carolina blue shirt that nice. you only wear when you're 13 yeah, and you're a total exactly. idiot. And so uh, I fell in the mud and I had to go wash it off in the shower because I was still committed to it. Uh, and then I stayed with Cornerstone until it was done from there. So, I mean, probably 15 years, 14 years of Cornerstone, something like that. Now, you also said you didn't want to be a part of Audio Fee. You had some reservations. What was that about? Yeah, well, I mean, I knew Jay from Cornerstone, kind of. And uh, I didn't really know Jim, the other co-founder at all. And, um, you know, he's he actually lives in Champaign. So he's actually the person on the ground that's doing, you know, a lot of logistical work. Yeah. And I was working, you know, salaried at a restaurant. So I was working like 60 hours a week and... I just, honestly, I was just tired. We booked a lot of shows over the years before that. We had a little venue we were running and, you know, booking shows gets you, uh, gets you excited about not booking shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Know, bad right, business. Right. Yeah. All the time. And, you know, it's kind of a thankless job. And so, you know, we just didn't, I didn't know if we really had all the pieces to pull off audio feed. I, I don't think we really did. And I didn't know if it would be worth it and if it would ever actually happen, you know. Um, it's not like I went to Cornerstone and thought, man, I'd love to run a festival someday. Right. Uh, that was never really a thought I was having. And Cornerstone was like my vacation, you know? Yeah, and so now you turn it in your job. Yeah, I know, I know exactly that. Yeah, that that's exactly that, that's exactly what happened with Emory. People always go, Oh man, what are you listening to? You know, for years and years people would say, What bands are you listening to? And, and I'm like, Well man, my job is music and I hear bands play every single night. When I'm at home, I, I yeah, I want to get away from that. I don't I don't even care about it. And so and then I also enjoy talking and now I've ruined that by doing a podcast. <laughs> Everything I love. But so how did you talk yourself into it? What what made you go, Okay, you know, this is worth it? It was kind of like, well, I guess if all three of these people, me and Jay and Jim, were all down and it looked like we had a venue, you know, um, I guess I I thought in the back of my mind that if we didn't do it, that I'd probably be upset with myself for not getting involved or at least trying. So it was one of those things where it's like, well, if you don't do it, you're going to be mad at yourself. And if you do do it, it might suck. So might as well do it. You know. you know, I think that's one of those ticks that's built into human, d- the design of human beings where, because I experience that all the time. It, it's like that thing where you egg each other on. If, if, if two or three people are willing to do something, you don't want to be the one that says no. And, you know, you could say that's like dumb or teenage or peer pressure, but I think it has an actual really positive function for creativity. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, it's not a zero sum game, if I'm using that phrase correctly. It's, there's yeah. more can there can be more outcome with multiple people together because it's like, oh, Toby says he'll do that, and I say, oh yeah, I'll do that, and then the other people are like, oh, 
oh shit, here we go. We got to do this now. And then you have, you know, these bold things, uh, you know, arise and, and, and come out of that, which is important. But I'm still missing what was, uh, in your words at least, what were the important things or good things about Cornerstone or about Christian festivals or about music festivals that, that made this be even an important thing that was on the, the table anyway? What was What was lacking once there was no more Cornerstone? Yeah, I mean, I guess what I think was lacking is that, you know, uh, there's no real scene for for underground music, for good Christian music, mm-hmm. uh, as I would like to say. I uh, I used to take kids, you know, kids that were younger than me, as, as I grew into Cornerstone, I'd take kids to Cornerstone and, uh, you know, it would just change their life. So they would go from like this just terrible, like Christian radio, you know, kid yeah, into yeah. like a kid who like found out there was other things out there you know it would be a very bleak artistic scene if there was no music festival that could support all this other music that is great music that no one's going to hear if there's not an outlet for Mm -hmm. so i think that was kind of the deciding factor in me was that i really wanted these bands to to still be out there to uh to make an impact and and for people to get to hear their music because you know music is inspiring it's what you know, it's it's a language in itself. It's what's always been important to me. So list me some good Christian music and bad by your definition. That's just your opinion. But give me just give let's give us sure. some specifics there so people know what you're talking about. Sure, some good and bad. Um, I think it's always easier to describe the bad. You know. Okay. Um, so I guess when I was a kid, I would have been very against like you know Clay Cross or um, you know as as that would have been my era of bad. Or, uh, man, Big Daddy Weave, just the name alone. Keep going, keep going. (laughs) Just, oh, it just gets to me. Um, You know, there's probably a lot of bands that played Cornerstone that were pretty bad, probably a couple hundred of them every year, uh, since there was about 300. So Mm -hmm. um, it would be easy to sort of blast them all out. But if you turn on the, uh, the regular, you know, the contemporary Christian radio station, I feel like there's not very much good. I'm not saying there's not any good. You know, it's been a while since I've tuned in. Um, I'm not in the listening audience, I guess. So it hasn't worked out for me. But, you know, uh, there's just no good there. Well, what was the things Uh, that you saw that were like, whoa, I didn't know this existed, that was so positive? The last last few years of Cornerstone, I felt like that's when when the music really got great. And, you know, that's when listeners started to get popular. Um, That's when the soil and the sun was starting to get popular. And, uh timbre and those were bands that like when i saw them they blew my mind at the time i was like wow this is incredible um and there were so many good smaller bands too that that were even smaller than those guys and those guys weren't big by any means in in 2011 or 2012 uh, and still really aren't huge bands or don't exist anymore um but you know it was it was bands like that it was bands like that you go see them and and no one's really heard of them and they would just be great yeah you know yeah, I was going to say, I, I think you're right. Like, the problem with Christian contemporary music to me is, and I've said this a million times and people know and people get mad at me or whatever, but uh, it really feels like it's just trying to be safe and just a copy. Like, it's, there's a difference in, twi- in being, there's a difference between being a bad band 
and at least being original and just being a copy of what's popular. Yeah. And that's what I feel like. Like, I feel like there's no soul left. Like, I can respect a bad band. Maybe they're not the best. Maybe they don't write the best songs or whatever, but at least they're original. And, and that, that was one of the things that I, that I thought was cool. Even like you said, even like going back to the Cornerstone days, there are tons of bad bands. I might have been in one, <laughs> but at the very least, they were trying to be original and do something and, and not just be totally a copy yep. of whatever, whatever else was working and trying to venture out. And you, and you found those bands too like obviously there's there was always bands that try to copy other bands but you could walk through festival like <laughs> cornerstone and now like audio feed and you go holy cow uh, that band is different they're they're going for it they're doing something mm-hmm. christian contemporary music feels like it's just trying to capture whatever sold really well last month well that's just to do the that bottom again. line it seems yeah. like whether or, the bottom or line what's be working, dollars or souls it seems right. like a bottom or, line decision that's or what's working weird. in the secular world and let's copy that yep so, you know it, it, whatever it might be so it, it, oh mumford and sons is popular let's do a christian mumford and sons yeah or whatever it might be as, a, as opposed to uh, let's just be a real band and go out there and be allow for criticism and allow for people to go oh, i don't know what this is as opposed to yeah let's just do whatever and copy 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 that that that, that stuff really bothers me it's too safe and and that's what I think is cool about audio feed. It feels like you guys have pushed the limits a little bit, like even having the Bad Christian podcast on there. What gave you guys kind of like the balls to do that? Like, hey, we're gonna be real and push some be a little, you know, push some boundaries. Yeah, I think it's looking for what sets us apart, you know, um trying to be authentic to who we are, to who our crowd is. Um, you know, there's there's still music festivals out there, there's still uh tours you can go check out winter jam or uh, creation or whatever it is that that's out there you know but there's not like a dirty rock and roll festival that's ran by christians that really is making an impact that that i know about you know i'm not saying it doesn't exist so it's kind of the idea of having a dirty rock and roll festival that you know is going to have bad christian is going to have dave bazan is going to have um you know, artists that maybe are, are pushing the limits. We've had homeless gospel choir. We've had bands that, that like to, to be a voice that's not the traditional Christian voice or maybe isn't a Christian voice at all. Sure. But we think that with the overall demographic of people, which is every kind of person, that we have something for everybody, you know. That's interesting. That's so there's, our- I'm sorry to interrupt you there. Go ahead. Go ahead. There's three pretty different, you know, prominent acts you booked when you say John Mark McMillan, David Bazan, and the Bad Christian Podcast. All three of those are wildly different and really don't fit into the same category whatsoever, which I find really interesting. Um, And what I think is weird is you see with the bigger festivals, now they... The bigger festivals will do this thing where they'll have the big creation festival and then they'll put us on at eleven thirty on the fringe stage or the edge stage or what are the right. other what are the other names they come up with? There's other hilarious, but there's just all these and 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 that's to let people know that this is you might want to stay away, old people and safe right. people, and this just to see O Sleeper and Emery play at midnight at uh, in the on the small stage down the hill. <laughs> that's kind of right. what, the way they handle it, but even right. that they could not they still would never. Never be able to put the Bad Christian podcast on that stage. They they couldn't do it, and of course they couldn't put Dave Bazan on the stage. They could, they literally could not do it. They Creation Festival uh, booted King's Kaleidoscope for not anything they were even going to do, but a, a lyric that they had on a song that they weren't even going to perform, right. lest they right. look bad for that. So that's the mentality of Christian festivals, and it's kind of been interesting to me to see them. I don't want to root. For, I don't root for their destruction or anything, but. It's interesting because I do think some of that decision making work themselves into the place where they're ultimately harmed. Because I, I mean, you 
at the point when something's obviously safe is when people are not interested anymore, it seems like to me. So I'm quite interested in audio feed doing that experiment. Do you think it's okay? How do you think through, let's just say, I understand how you could be on this podcast and, and vouch for us and Jay Newman, where at least come from a Christian point of view, but how could you possibly understand or justify or even what are the mechanics of booking Dave Bazan, who's probably at this point overtly anti-evangelical Christian or anti-Christian? How, how does that work? Well, you know, from a pure booking standpoint, I mean, Dave Bazan is a great songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, right. People in our crowd love his songs um, from the Pedro the Lion days to now. You know, I don't know anybody that, that I talk to that doesn't check out the new Dave Bazan album. Now, I'm sure there's people that don't, but, you know, uh, people love Dave Bazan's music, and, uh, and we love it. You know, um, quite a few years ago, I saw Dave Bazan with Danielson family play in Champaign, where the festival is. And Danielson family is, you know, so overtly Christian. (laughs) And especially at the time they were doing the ships tour and it was just, it was very Christian. And uh, Bazan opened up for him. And as you said, he was overtly non-Christian, but the combo worked and it was cool. That's awesome. So it's kind of like, it's kind of that concept. Like Dave's actually playing right before John Mark McMillan. Mm -hmm. And we think that with our crowd that the combo works you know, I don't, I don't know what the other festivals are doing. I don't pay attention to them as much as we did, but in, in the first couple of years. But you know, I know that we've always had maybe ten or fifteen percent of our lineup might be people who aren't believers, or maybe they're kind of in the middle. And you know, it's it's our goal to get every kind of people there, whether they're believers or not. Um, you know, one of the best blogs I think written about the festival is by an atheist that comes every year. So you know. We're not trying to do what Creation's doing or what anybody else is doing. Because if you just want to reach church people, then you just book church bands, you know. At the end of the right. day, you book worship bands, and you can get everybody in the world there for the same concert over and over and over again. Right. So yeah, it's that's called Sunday. A, yeah. It's <laughs> called Sunday, you know. Exactly. So that's not a goal we have. We just want to have something that has mass appeal. You know, if some kid off the street came, we want him to have a good time and not feel like he's in church, you know, but still have – what could be a great spiritual experience, you know? You know, it's, it, it's really funny that you say that. Uh, how dare you guys, as a uh, festival, actually want to put good music on? That that was part of your focus. <laughs> like you just said, that that's the most clear, best possible answer you could do for a music festival. You said, well, people like Dave Bazan, and he's a really good songwriter. Yes. So we thought, I mean, uh, that I cannot stress enough why that wouldn't be the most important thing. Yep. Like people get so caught up in, oh, well, this is the safe message of the Christian band or whatever, as opposed to, wait a minute, we live in the real world where people have differing views and our God is big enough to handle Dave Bazan. God, Jesus is big enough for it. it it's, I, we don't have to be fearful that Dave Bazan is the guy that's going to bring down Christianity or our Savior or our God or anything like that. And in fact, we can even like him because he does great music because there's a ton of amazing, wonderful music in the history of the world that is great to listen to. And we don't have to always go, well, what is the meaning behind it? What is this? And what is this? Like, what about just the chords they use? What about the vocal style? What about the actual musicianship? That should really count for something. And that's what I think is really cool that you guys are doing, that you would, that you would, it's funny that your festival has to go out on a limb and go, well, we really want good music. And you might get pushback for that. Toby, I could make the <laughs> argument that Dave Bazan might be in the most prime of position to hurt Christianity, however. 
if you wanted to really think about it, <laughs> because no, because like think about it. who who you get like he he's essentially grandfathered into this uh, culture. He's been at Cornerstone. <laughs> he's been a Christian. He's done worship, and we've all and he's got these lyrics. And I'm making a point here. I don't really think that, but I know what you it's, mean. It's uh, a he's really take and uh, he, I'm obsessed with Dave Bazan. I think he's one of my favorite artists continually, and that's so crazy that that just Luke here saying that same thing. This is what everybody in our scene is doing, is following and watching Dave Bazan. Of course we want to see him. But for most people, it'd be like, yeah, but I can't give him a platform or a voice. I don't. Now that he's on this team, I better not. But of course we're still listening. But And we're quite interested. I'm not that worried about Richard Dawkins. He's not about to take, take you know, but I, I, I listen to Dave Bazan. I consider what he says because I know he knows where I come from. I think it's profound, yeah, and he, I think it's dangerous, and I think it's exciting. I mean, I, I mean, I think it's commendable even in that regard. And wouldn't it be cool if, like, Catalyst or one of these huge, like, Christian conferences invited Richard Dawkins to speak? Of course. You know? That's right. what I'm saying. It would it, be dangerous, it, but that's good. It, that would be awesome. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, I've actually said that in the past. I, th- I think every church should have an atheist or an agnostic or something on their staff just to kind of weigh it out. Because here's the thing. If a, one, if, if a Dave Bazan album or a Dave Bazan song can make you question everything you've believed your entire life, your belief is a yeah, little yeah. weak. You know what I mean? Like, come on! If you can't stand Dave, if you can't stand up to what Dave Bazan is doing in his life, or or the opposite is true too. Like, if you're just going to listen to the guy in the pulpit every Sunday and not question for yourself and actually build a real faith that's based on uh, experience and study and education yeah. and life, all those things. That, what that, are we that's doing? what blows yeah. my mind. Yeah, exactly. And that's where Christian music, I believe, fails because what it really boils down to is it's just this things that if they say, well. Uh, these these types of lyrics and it sounds like this kind of music, then we can sell it. It's just a business or whatever, as opposed to hey, let's get a little dirty. I, I'm even using Christianese now. Let's get messy. messy. Yeah, there you but, go. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big one. But I I do it. It really is exciting that maybe we're moving into a time with this. I, I was going to ask you too, Luke. How long? Like last year was our first year. How long has Audio Food been going on? This is our fifth year, so um, that's kind of a big deal for us. I think. And, and, and with, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, and with that, if it being your fifth year, how hard is it? Like, is it, is it scary doing a festival? Are you like, oh crap, every year? Is it getting better? I think it's scary every year because, you know, <laughs> uh, we've been really blessed to be able to keep going. We've got, you know, um, we've had a strong sponsorship that's been able to keep us going, but we haven't ever made any money at Audio Feed. Really? You know, we're ran by volunteers who aren't getting paid any money and who most people don't even know who they are, you know, no one knows half the booking team. No one knows the media team. Nobody knows these volunteers. So, you know, there is a lot of stress to that and and hoping that, you know, things keep coming together. And uh, obviously we want the festival to grow and and do well and be self-sustaining. And, you know, and we're kind of taking on a big task because, you know, from the very beginning, people say, well, people don't want to go to just a music festival anymore. And we're trying to say, Hey, if we book really good music, mm-hmm. we think you should come, you know? So we're kind of going against the stream of what people have said. And at the same time, you know, uh, I think every year by the time it's done, we all want to quit, but then we see all these people who enjoy it or having a good time or, you know, kind of accomplishing the task we set out for. And we kind of stick in there and say, all right, let's try again. Let's keep going. You if, know? if you'll forgive me for sticking on the day Bazan topic, there's just a couple of nuances that are interesting. I have genuine questions about, was it hard booking him? And are there any stipulations on what you're telling him to do or not do? Um, no, like, was it hard no. to get him to agree? Like, why is he going to go to a Christian festival? I mean, I, obviously there's money you involved know, uh, aside from that. I didn't, 
I didn't personally book him. Um, Jim actually had booked Dave and, um, he knew his manager. Yep. And so we just hit him up and said, Hey, do you want in? We actually, we actually added him kind of at the, the final moment before the lineup went out. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, Hey, we've got this slot. We'd like to see somebody in the slot. That's like David Bazan or like, you know, uh, Damian Gerardo. We had somebody like that on our radar. And, uh, since we have a relationship with Bazan's manager, we just went for it. We didn't give any stipulations or anything. I mean, we want him to come and be himself, just like we want everybody to That's come awesome. and be themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we don't have any stipulations to the festival goers. You know, we don't say, hey, you have to be this way or be that way. And we don't have any stipulation with the musicians. Um, you know, obviously, we, we've we maybe sometimes if we had a relationship with an artist and they weren't Christian, we've said, hey, can you kind of keep it family friendly or can you – you know, refrain from saying this or that, you know, uh, as there's a lot of kids and a lot of different people here, but you know, uh, we don't usually put anything like that in writing or something. And we also know that there's a risk and, you know, we take the risk. Yeah. It seems like you're actually looking for his ideas to be heard though, which I think is just very commendable as opposed to hoping this strictly music. I mean, sounds to me like putting him right before John Mark McMillan on that stage is you're actually inviting, I wouldn't say controversy, but you're inviting uh, some, you know, reasonable idea conflict or dissonance. To, to You're making room for that. And I call it clearing yeah. out elbow room. I feel like that's something that we try to do is let's go ahead and get in there and then clear out some room for some other people. Like if you're bold enough to do that, maybe another festival could do something. Like maybe they're not going to book Dave Bazan, but watch. I believe we're in this time in culture where everybody's like just been waiting for it to be okay to do more stuff, and you just need a few people to say, "No, watch. I'll just say this, and it'll be okay. Watch." And it is, and then more people can start to be free. And I really, I, I just every time I see an example of that, I'm, I just want to point it out because I think that's all. Sure. I think there's everybody sitting back saying, "Well, I just don't want to go first. We're all okay with this word being used. We're all okay with our kids doing this. Well, somebody's got to go first, and then we can all just relax a little bit. So I appreciate yeah. that. But also, are y'all, are, y- are y'all thinking that maybe uh, – uh, sorry, I was going to say, are y'all thinking too, though, maybe like just to get more people to come, like hopefully John Mark McMillan like beats David Bazan's ass? Yeah, like an actual <laughs> conflict would be great if you've scripted Not it, on like, John wrestling. Mark McMillan's watch, Dave Bazan. <laughs> we used to put together a little list the last couple of years of uh, – you know, Christian festival cage fights we'd like to see. Yeah, and, celebrity uh, deathmatch. Out of, like, the audio feed crowd. Um, you know, I, I don't think that uh, – I think we'd actually just rather see them play, like, basketball against each other or something. You know, I think that would be really entertaining. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be hilarious, though, if there really was, like, a big-time fight or whatever. That, that, it's all, I had that idea, too. Like, what if you could put, you know, different – uh, famous Christians in the ring together, and, or you know, Christians versus atheists, or whatever. In a Carmen was for sure, though. Yeah, <laughs> if you've seen the Champion movie, he was. A oh yeah, answer, so Carmen could win against anybody on Earth. Carmen versus Floyd Mayweather, August twenty sixth, Team Mobile <laughs> Arena. Watch it happen. <laughs> I would su- I would suggest an, an, a less violent. Uh, approach that we do. I, I imagine that Toby and Joey need to, after the John Mark McMillan set, off stage to the side, I want Joey and Toby to beatbox as they do at the beginning of the Bad Christian Podcast, and then John Mark and Dave Bazan have to rap battle each other. Yes. For the for the faith. <laughs> I mean, it'll be serious. 
<laughs> I think a John Mark Bazan rap battle would be great for like, like, yeah. yes. <laughs> with Joey beatboxing is the key to that. Yeah, like the TV show Wild and Out. <laughs> well, Luke, we All appreciate right, Luke, talking yeah. to you today. We're very much looking forward to the festival. And I'll uh, let's see, let's give the plugs as best as we can. Do you want to rattle off some more people that you're excited about seeing and the website and all that? Sure, yeah. Um, so besides those two, you know, uh, we've got a lot of great like heavy bands this year with Impending Doom and Living Sacrifice. And oh yeah, that's huge. And My Epic, uh, Flatfoot is always one of the shows you should stay for because it's insane uh, every year. Uh, so we've got a lot of great. Great heavy bands playing. Um, John Rubin's back. He's rapping. Awesome. Nice. Jay Givens is rapping on Saturday night, and uh, I think that would be pretty cool. Derek Webb's flying under the radar. I think David Bazan's stealing his thunder, but Derek Webb's playing Friday night, too. Um, Lowercase Noises is going to be a killer right. set, too. I'm yep. excited about That's that. That's actually so. a lot of really good acts. I'm, I'm excited to see. Good. I don't know exactly what days will be there and not there, but I'm hoping we overlap with Dave. He's always good to see. and. Who knows? I mean, hopefully we have enough time to run into people and see a bunch of these good sets as well. The main uh, URL to go to see the lineup and all that stuff is audiofeedfestival.com. Is that right? Yeah, audiofeedfestival.com slash lineup. We just updated the schedule today, so everyone that's making their plan for maybe single-day tickets or you know, uh, trying to figure out who they're going to see, schedule's fully updated everything is pretty much on there and mm-hmm. we're going to be ready to go. That's so. great. And then more specifically, we have a ticket link that people can, if you're going to come see us, or if you're listening to this podcast at all, even if you just want to go see John Mark, but you happen to listen to this podcast, we'd appreciate it if you'd go to badchristianday.com is our specific ticket link that we want you to buy the ticket through, if that makes sense. And that's just to show audio feed that, uh, you know, people listen to this show. But we know they do. Last time we had a big a bunch of people from the BC Club. I don't know if you know that or not, but we had a big campsite group of a bunch of people that are kind of in our yeah. fan club and support group. It was a lot of fun to see them and do that. So I hope they're all back next year, this year, and we're looking very much forward to it. And thank you for giving us so much uh, leeway to do what we want to do in front of the people that, that we enjoy talking to and are comfortable with. So thank you, Luke. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully it'll be a bad Christian family reunion every year. We got it. Oh, yeah, you yeah, got yeah, it. yeah, yeah. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Thank right, you, thanks, dude. Yep. Okie doke. So now I guess we're going to have to pause because Joey is gone, correct? I guess we can keep going. We can wrap the episode without Joey if you like. Let's just do that. Let's let him have this. Yeah, let's let's let it. him do it. Let's see if we can. Ha- I mean, he's a, he's a pastor. He's worn out. All right, well, I'll tell everybody dude's, what dude's happened been... to Joey. He had a budget meeting that got spread. <laughs> <laughs> he had a budget meeting and had to bail in the middle of the interview. And oh. that's, uh, you know, we, we know where his... You know, his priorities lie in his primary job. We know we're his number two gig, and there's no way of getting out of a budget meeting. So, I, although I can't imagine what they do in a budget meeting for a church. What do they do? You've been to those before, Toby? Oh, yeah, I've been to them. What before. do they do? Well, they just talk, well, they tell you about the upcoming year, and like, well, it's basically like what you've spent, where can you make cuts, and what do you need? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and Seacoast is pretty awesome about, you know, saying, hey, we understand you need this, this, and this. And they're really awesome too. You go over your budget usually. You know what I mean? Like you just do things here and there and get – it's funny where your money just goes. You end up having to do something crazy at the last moment. It's just like everything else. And you have to buy something or do something or get this or oh. do this or pay – you know, like even just helping people. 
sometimes you just go over that. There's people that are in need and just go, I, yep. I know we have a budget for this, and you might not go to our church. There's been tons of times where That's why I Z-Coast, can't understand budgets yeah. at all, because you, you just ultimately still seem like you do whatever you want to. I, I feel that way about the household yeah. budget. Like, I, you can tell me budget all day long, but when it's time to do something, I, I'm just going to do it, you know? Like, I can't. I, mean, I know. Like, my opinion, my, mine and my wife's approach to it is she couldn't be different or, or, or worse, really, because <laughs> my method is just don't do it. Don't, don't do spend it. it. Don't do the it. The answer's no in general. No, don't show me the spreadsheet. Don't tell me we have $450 in some right. fund that we should spend. No, just if you don't have to, don't. And then if you have to or you want to, do. And then every six months, look at your bank account. <laughs> and it's really exciting. Like, yes! It's, you know, assume it's low right. and you don't have any money, and then you'll be pleasantly surprised. And you don't, right. I do not need to look at a budget. Bridget wants to set a budget, say, yeah. well, we have $80 a month for dog food and treats. So you come to the end of the month and there's $40 left. She goes, let's go bid a, get a shitload of fancy dog treats, which is wrong. Right. Don't. You were right. fine. You didn't, that makes you spend money. Budgets make you spend yep. money. And I say, just don't no, do you're, it. You're exactly right. I, I actually felt Jess and I did our, she showed, Jess, Jess does all of our budgeting. Mm-hmm. She's on top of it. She loves it. I, I think she, maybe she doesn't love it. Maybe she hates it, but she does it. I'm just terrible at it because I just go, I know we have some in there. I don't want to know. And that way you're right. <laughs> That's I right. Just tell myself, don't I just tell myself no. So two nights ago, she was like, hey, you want to hear our financial situation, the state Mm-mm. of our finances? I do not. And she said, hey, I said, I said, uh, it sounds bad. I'm funny. <laughs> I she know. goes, no. She said, actually, it's really good. And I was like, no, I, it was the worst news I could hear that we our budget is doing really well and we, we, we're a little bit ahead because I was like, we're going to spend Now you're going to go spend screwed. a bunch of money. He's like, I now know. it's going on vacation, she said next, I know. right? I, I'd rather think I never have any money and then I always will. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> the way I think about it. If, long, if it's not painful to not spend, just don't. Always don't. But that's right. that way when you want to, you can. When you need to, you're you right. can. So I don't really like budgets. I don't even get receipts when I uh, – I don't even get receipts at the ATM. Like if I get money out of the ATM, it says you want to see a balance oh, or a receipt. Yeah. I say nope. I did that yesterday. Don't want to know. I, say no I don't want time. that stress. Yeah, I never get hey, it. Hey, look who's back. Joey Spence is back from his his uh, budget meeting. How'd the budget meeting go, Joey? Uh oh, he's not check, even on. Check, check, check. There he is. Check, he's back. Check, check. Joey, check. we were just we were just talking uh, about it. Check, 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 <laughs> check. Yeah, am I on? Yeah, you're on. Yeah, we were just talking yeah, about your it? budget meeting. Did your budget meeting go well? Man, I tell you what, I just, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> hey, that's what we're saying. We say budgets make you, now, Joe, you are a budgeter to the max. Like, you love oh. looking at your budget. Hey, hey, part, I, I mean, this is going to sound really braggy, but, you know, a lot of times people are like, man, you know, you guys have such a nice house and <laughs> um, all this stuff. And it's just like, we budget very, very well. We have paid off everything except for mortgage, so we don't have any other debt, which I'm sure yeah. that's pretty representative of you guys as well. But, I mean, yeah, we are very meticulous. I am very meticulous with our money, and Priscilla appreciates that because it obviously offers more freedom in the long run. But, yeah, we're see, damn see, Matt good and I with totally disagree. I don't want to know anything about the budget and just always assume I, we might not make it. Yep, I love it. And way. then... And then I always do make it. Yep. And then that way, when shit hits the fan, I go, oh, we actually have more than I thought. Woo! Or, I always feel better. Or if you get in a jam, you get to go, you have to go into some crazy mode, which 
uh, it's like a, it's like, oh shit, we're in a crunch. Now I'm really going to dig deep and sell something or raise money or go do something or cut, you know, then you get, you really yeah. act when the pressure really gets on, but just maintaining little categories month to month is, is tedious. And I think and, I look at it differently too. I look at it as, oh, well you just made a shitload of money. That's how you afforded everything. Like you, you, you afforded that house, not because of the budget, but you made a lot of money. Yeah. You're rich. That's the why. Right. Cause what, like what crazy. don't you get like <laughs> with your budget? What do you go? Uh Oh, we've cut out so many things. Like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like when I think about cutting out things, I just go, I'm just not going to pay for it anymore. Like cable or, Hey, we're not going to do this, this, you know, for this summer or whatever it might be. Like that's, that's how well, I budget. I don't, I don't like you even have a budget like for buying music. Right. I just go, uh, I won't, I won't do it. No, Priscilla and I, we have what we call an allowance for one another. So what it's is basically it, like six or seven hundred dollars a week? No, for I, I actually <laughs> actually cut mine out for a season just because I didn't really want anything. But then she, uh, I, I mean, I used to be so tight, I didn't want her to go to the really good hair salons, and so <laughs> now now we basically I just give her. It I just sounds like a, Priscilla with terrible hair <laughs> yeah, for like sorry. three years. <laughs> Yeah, those were some ugly, hair years for Priscilla. I, I know what you're talking about now that you mentioned. Do not, do yeah. not look at Priscilla's pics yeah, it, between so, 2010 it was so and 2013. Oh, yeah, got, totally. She always has one tear in her eye, but she loves her husband. Are we in the middle of the damn news? We're, or what's we're, going starting, on right the, now? we're starting it right now. Hit the music. Oh, I thought we were done. Oh, we're going to keep going? Yeah, we're rolling. I mean, we can do one news story and we're, we can rap. I don't care. If you ain't got no news, then let's rap. I got a news. Start the music then. All right. In a world where you literally have zero budget for the damn news, but you constantly bring the truth, but your good friend Joey, pastor extraordinaire, one of the most famous, genuine, transparent pastors I know has an unbelievable budget just for candy, just for a pizza. Don't tell frozen yogurt. That. Don't tell. Oh, no. you're, you're, what's the what's the frozen yogurt place you like? <laughs> it doesn't exist Min- anymore. Minchie's, I'm actually I'm, you're no, very it's, sad no, about it's it. It's Yobie's. Yobie's. Yobie. Oh, I love that place. Gosh, it is <laughs> not it, around. Hey, somebody <laughs> somebody wrote us by the way, and I, I'm gonna have to. This is joke, the damn news. We we joke around about. Whether or not I'm the most popular pastor, and it's no joke, th- you are. No, no, no. He, I'm not sure about that, but here's what I am sure about: I am the most famous campus pastor. No competition <laughs> in the. <laughs> That's true. In the in, at least in America. At least in America, yeah, in this I've got to be. There's I not mean, a more notable, be. well-known by name as a pastor <laughs> that is simply a campus pastor in America than Joey. He is right number one. The lead pastors, they're they're. I mean, so yeah, if I'm number one in anything, course, but yeah, if I'm number one in anything, it's pastoral transparency and popularity of a campus pastor. Those yeah. are the two things that I lead. I'm I'm leading right now. Well, you're the Man, biggest, awesome. the biggest one as far as just size goes. Yeah, we know that. And as far as transparency goes, with your redheaded, pasty skin, you're basically as trans. You're almost translucent, even in your skin, which is transparent. So that you know, I'll, I'll tie that in too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're kind of transparent, like your skin is almost transparent. <laughs> How white are you, Joey? Translucent. Oh, they called they called me Mighty Whitey back in the day. Hey, I got a news story. In uh, fact, sadly, I'm going to go with trans. I, I, I'm going to go with translucent. Sadly, instead of transparency, that's I'm not really comfortable being transparent. Why sadly just, enough, sadly enough, well, I don't enough, jump in and preach a sermon on Sundays. I don't come in there and preach a sermon, do I? 
Sadly enough, they what found... What the fuck, man? <laughs> Sadly enough, they found traces of cocaine, heroin, and maybe some other stuff in Carrie Fisher's body. I just saw that pop up. So well, that is news, at least, right? Sad Toby? for wow. her. I'm sad for her. I'm sad for her family. Um, I'm sad that it, this news is being said. This is my news. Yeah, it's, this is the the damn truth. What are you talking about? Yeah, but about? we we believe in doing things in community. Like we we definitely. So wait a second. You mean to tell me that we talk so much shit about pastors having so much authority and autonomy, but you as a news broadcaster should have complete authority and autonomy? That seems hypocritical to me, Mister. All right, I'm going to read this news here. Uh, I think I might like it. And it actually comes from uh, my old campus pastor, Dave Fairchild. Oh, uh, cool. He's yeah, not this, as famous as me. This comes not from even close. Uh, the, the Barner Group or whatever, but it may come as no surprise that the influence of Christianity in the United States is waning. Rates of church attendance, religious affiliation, belief in God, prayer, and Bible reading have all been dropping for decades. By consequence, the role of religion in public life has been slowly diminishing. Barna has developed a metric to measure the changing religious landscape of American culture. We call this the post-Christian metric. And basically, they go on to tell about the top, I guess it's like 50 uh, cities that are post-Christian now. And Mm -hmm. do y'all want to guess, see if y'all can guess the top 10? Uh, okay, well, I mean, it's going to be very close to the largest top 10 cities, is what I'm going to say. All right. So, uh, No, actually, well, yeah, yeah, well, several, okay, I'll, I'll give you the big ones, because so, you're San right. San Francisco is in there. Yep. So number 10 is Buffalo, New York, Okay. So not that huge. No, that's not. Number near, nine, near number nine is Seattle. Yeah, that's like uh, number 13, no, so it's a little ahead of top, you know, behind top Number 10. eight is San Francisco, number seven, New York, mm-hmm. uh, and then... The the top five are small ones. Y'all won't guess them. Okay, so I'll give you the top five. Wait, Burling, let me, let me, Burlington, let me, Vermont. I, I would say Iowa City is one of them. Nope. Not a bad guess. Providence, though. Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Albany, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, Boston, Massachusetts, which is a big yeah. one. It's the second. So yeah. Boston is big. And then Portland, Maine. Portland, Auburn, Maine are all those cities that are now uh, post. No, post, yeah. To yeah. qualify as post-Christian, individuals had to meet nine or more of the following factors. Here, let me give them to you. Don't believe in God. <laughs> Identify go. as atheist or agnostic. Disagree that faith is important in their lives. Have not prayed to God in the last week. Uh, have never made a commitment to Jesus. Disagree the Bible is accurate. Have not donated money to a church in the last year. Have not attended the Christian a Christian church in the last six months. Agree that Jesus committed sins. Do not feel a responsibility to share their faith, have not read the Bible in the last week, have not volunteered at church, have not attended Sunday school, and have not uh, attended religious small groups, Bible engagement scale low, and they're not born again. So basically, this is all, this is Barna, and they did 76,000 people, but they're saying that these, and they did 50, which I'm not exactly sure, but I don't think any of them are in the South. No, no. no. (laughs) Like the Bible Belt is is totally safe, and these cities, but what do y'all think? Is this data... Good for Christians to know. Like, is this like? I feel like all Christians go. That's where. Like, uh, my old pastor was like, "Hey, we got to change this." You know, and he's he's being honest. He's like, "Hey, if, if we're the number nine on the list, we need to try and get to number eighteen. We need to get to number 50, 50 You know what I mean? Like, like just like with school education. We our our education in this state's the worst. Let's get better and better. Or whatever. Do you think this is helpful knowing these metrics? Well, well, here go ahead. Here's 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 somewhat of the problem that I feel is. Once you make that assessment and say what you, your exact words, we've got to try to fix this. 
almost 99% of the time, if not 100%, whatever those tactics are, repel those people that you want to quote-unquote reach. So I think that's the main problem is we typically don't do that great of a job of integrating into right that sort of community. So that's the yeah, main and problem. It, it, well, I always think it makes the Christian look like the only reason they care about going there or doing anything is because those people don't believe like me. I don't really right, care about sure. them or anything. It's just, oh, well, they're not Christian, so i got to go save them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, I think there's a, a problem. Uh, you know, I'm on a kick now to lean a lot less into data and information, which sounds counterintuitive, but I obviously inherently and <clears throat> automatically lean towards data and stats and logic and things right. like that. But at this point in my life, it's kind of, I'm a little bit more persuaded by less about that, which correlating to how obviously we see data manipulated these days it feels like it's ruined i mean we're talking about post-christian but i think that's a wing of the fact that we're in a a post-fact or post-truth kind of that's the battleground we're on now like you know when you see a graph or a stat that you just already assume that the counter stats exist so what's the point of the stats that's a scary place to be especially for somebody like me who likes and has always been gravitated towards data and logic and stuff like that, those things seem to be uh, almost ruined. Like, I just automatically, when I hear data, I say, well, interpretation. It could be both ways. I'm sure I already assumed the counter data. So it's almost like data doesn't help you make a point, and that's a symptom of our information. Um, I don't know if I said this. I heard somebody say this, but... We built this really crazy information superhighway, but we don't have. That's it. It's it's in isolation. It's not. We don't have an emotional superhighway exactly. So I'm more. I'm not even as much as we talk about post Christian and the decline of this or that or mega church. I'm basing it mainly. I'm, I had to admit, and I'm going to say it's even a better idea. I'm basing it on my feeling, which people go, "Oh, you can't be shit on feelings." Well, that's my feeling. My feeling is. So that some of this stuff is true, and I think you, I think you, we're gonna have to get more in tune with stuff that you can feel being true and have the right way of thinking about that and managing it. But I'm not interested to see a bunch of statistics on on stuff. I think you just kind of feel right. Can't you just feel the culture if you're in it? Yeah, well, here's, if you're swimming in it. Can't like, you just feel what's going on? Isn't that even more valid in a way? Well, well here's what I'll say. Like for example, my, my friend and pastor, uh, old pastor, worked with me at. Uh, Mars Hill, David Fairchild, I think he takes a good take on it. His take is change your city and don't just totally go about telling people about Jesus. Like, I think that's where people get it wrong. Um, You can't just go to places and just tell people about Jesus only. Like, if that's your only goal, then that is you just have an agenda and you don't actually care about the people. And I think that is where the big difference is. Like, I, I like the idea of, like, if you really believe that these hundred cities that are on this list in the Barna Group that there are people in danger of uh, torment or missing out on God for eternity, there should be something that stirs inside of you. But why would that just be tell them about Jesus? Why wouldn't it be be friends with them? Why wouldn't it be help them, encourage them? Uh, they have real-life issues going on and, and address those. That's why I thought it was so cool. One of the best things the church I did in Seattle was that we, I worked at the West Seattle one, was just like help homeless people. Like they, they made these apartment buildings, like built apartment buildings with their own money and help people and single moms and all that stuff. I think that is the thing that, like if there are people that you want to help, then actually help them. Don't just tell them what you believe. 
You got to actually put your your money where your mouth is. So anyway, let's move on to one last story. I think this is kind of a cool one. So and this comes from the Huffington Post. Carrie Fisher. You can talk about Carrie Fisher. Man dumbfounded after learning his snake can't just chill in a park. South Dakota. Wait. So this guy. This guy was dumb, and he was found where? South Dakota snake owner Jerry. I'm asking you a question before you proceed. So he was a dumb guy. I'll answer all questions after. All right, so he's dumb, owner, but he was found. Okay. South Dakota snake owner Jerry Kimball was positively dumbfounded to learn he could not let a snake roam freely in a park. Kimball was fined $190 for not having his four-month-old fire bee ball python uh, on a leash, and he is not happy about it. It was April Fool's Day, so I thought he was playing a joke, Kimball told the Argus leader, about being ticketed by an animal control officer. They're not fast creatures. They're not going to run away. The thing about snakes, though, is that they can still move, which is why the officer suggested Kimball put a leash on his pet. He was literally asking me to put a rope around my snake. Kimball told (laughs) publication, I was like, dude, no way. Now, Joey, it's a little bit different, but you've been in a park before where you had your snake out. How did that go down? You got arrested, too. Yeah, Joey has a python. Yeah, Joey, you were in a park with your snake out. Not on a leash. And you were arrested. It wasn't a park. It was a rest area. This this yeah. makes me look really bad. This was after my dad said that I was okay, so I really just felt like bringing that thing out and just kind of being <laughs> excited about it, and you know, show off a little bit. Yeah, but four a.m. Okay. at a rest area behind the building is not where you're supposed to yeah. do that. No, yeah. I'm not. It's, it was not, not a wise that. decision. Nope, nope. Sorry, you deserve nope. the fine. All right, that's the damn news. All right, that damn news, Toby sucked. Your budget meeting assessment. got you fired up. You are fired up from your budget meeting, my friend. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. All I can say is wow. W-O-W. Wow. Okay. Wow. He must wow. have got All his right. expense fund increased. Well, I tell you what. I'm going to... I'm I'm going to give these BC club names for for those of you that are listening for the very first time. First of all, I hope you enjoyed your virgin experience of the Bad Christian podcast. You lost uh-huh. your virginity, mm. and I hope that it was well worth. What does that make people uh, that have listened to every episode, Joey? Think about it before you sl- open your big mouth. Slut, 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 horse. <laughs> I mean, come on, slut listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> TheBCClub.com, these folks, I mean, y- you guys are kind of like, I don't know, high-class sluts, because y'all actually fund this as well. It's so like, Well, that's like reverse, yeah. You don't get paid to do what you do. You pay to do it. So, yeah, I guess that gets right. you out of it. Okay. Well, I, I want to deliver these names in a Father God sort of style. So it's very simple, very simple. And okay. if you want to use this technique with your podcast, right. I am just opening the door for you to do that. There's mm. zero copyright on this. But oh. first, Father God, I want to say Michael Patan, Father God, and Philip Shepard, Father God, and Micah Black, Father God, and Hiram Dominguez, Trenton, Father God, Worsham. And Father God, Chris Woody Leishman, and lastly, Father God, Samuel Stalls, Father God. Mm. And Toby, I've went ahead and taken the initiative to to find a blessing. Oh. And because sometimes the blessing doesn't come straight out of God's word, and I just feel like sometimes we need to go directly to God's word for wow. a blessing instead of 
making okay. something up. I'm not, and and you know, Matt is on this feelings kick. I get that sometimes yeah. our 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 uh, closing and our blessing can be feelings. Not me. I'm sometimes, KJV only, baby. Yeah, I'm getting a KJV well, only tattoo. Anyway, this blessing comes from Deuteronomy 23, verse one. And it says, no one whose testicles are crushed <laughs> or whose male organ is cut off uh-huh. yes. shall enter the assembly of the Lord. Yep. Bummer. Amen. Sucks for you, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> you got to come clean. <laughs> <laughs> is there anybody that's like, hey, damn it, guys. I've been a preacher for 43 years. I didn't tell y'all my testicles were crushed. My testicles were crushed. I've been lying this whole time. I got to come out of the crushed testicle closet. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Yes, I baptized your children. I apologize. (laughs) All right. See y'all soon. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.